You're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Uh, welcome back to Podiatry Marketing. I'm here with uh, t- my co-host Tyson Franklin. Tyson, how are things going today? I am good, Jim. It is nice and sunny here in Cairns, as it is every day in the tropics. That's got to be nice. That's got to be nice. So what are we going to get into today? You know, we kind of, in our last few podcasts, we talked about, you know, why we're doing it, you know, what is marketing, you know, what's the, what's the next step for us? I think the next thing, and this is like the basis of all marketing, I think is going back to the beginning. And it's like, who is your ideal patient? Or like, why are they your ideal patient? So that's what I think we should talk about today is who is your ideal patient? I'm up for that. That sounds like a great idea. I think that's one of the things that by taking a step back, we can kind of like understand, you know, why have a plan in the first place and kind of what is square one? You know, sometimes it can be easy to try to jump into tactics or talk about these different ways that people are trying to market their practice, but knowing exactly why you're doing it in the first place is a huge, huge thing. So talk to me about this, uh, you know, persona marketing or kind of ideal patient, you know, when did you start having this idea or kind of where did you glean this, these kind of insights? I think it all started like when I, when you first start your practice, you, most people are prepared to just see anybody. They've got a heartbeat and they've got some money in their wallet. I will see that patient. Initially, you build your practice up just based on anyone that will pay the bills. But then over a period of time, you start, and I mentioned this in my book, where you'll start having like A, B, C, and D type patients. And your ideal patients are more towards your A and B type patients, for starters. They're awesome patients. They, they listen to your advice. And then a B patient might be the good patients, not as good as your A's, but they're sort of people, if you saw them every day. And I'm thinking, I sort of think your, your C patients and your D patients a lot of times are a reflection on your past. And sometimes you've got to let go of the past. And I feel some podiatrists find that really, really hard to do. That, oh, but I've been seeing Mary for 15 years. Yes, but Mary represents your past. If you want to move forward, sometimes you've got to let Mary go. Mary may be, may be better suited to, to somebody else. So I think your ideal patient is looking at your patients you have over a period of time and which are the ones that actually put a smile on your face when they come in. It doesn't need to be a specific service. It's just something about that patient that makes them better than the rest. So when you were in practice, what, what was that ideal patient, at least uh, like at some point during your career in podiatry? Like what was the one thing that, or the one type of patient that was, uh, that you were excited to walk into a treatment room and see them there for you? Yeah, well, when I explain this to people, I'll say, you want to picture your ideal patient in your head. So my mm-hmm. ideal patient was a male, was 42 years of age. He yeah, made pretty good money. So he wasn't broke. And it wasn't that he was the richest person in the world. He just made good money. So he had a lot of disposable income. He could afford my services. He had children. He used to be a pretty good sports person himself. However, as time goes on, we get a little bit older, we get a little bit slower. And then he started developing foot pain. But he wants to keep up with his kids. So he realizes he can't anymore because he's starting to outrun him. And then they're only 10. So I went through you know, the, the type of car that you drive, maybe the type of job. And when I started identifying that, when those patients came in, I actually started having more fun with them because I'm thinking, you are my ideal patient. Because they were my ideal patient, it didn't mean that I didn't get Margaret, who was 38, who had similar problems. You, you still, Some people fear that if I target my ideal patient, I'm going to miss out on everybody else. 
But we don't realize there's all these other patients that hear the message you're saying to your ideal patient and they hear the same message because they're, they may be a female, not a male, but they have a similar thinking. So you attract them anyway and you end up with just more of the type of patients you enjoy, you enjoy treating. That makes total sense. And I think you're right on the, the ballpark there as far as it's kind of finding that, that ideal message uh, along with finding your ideal patient, like how do you connect with them with the right message at the right time? You know, what are some of those ways, you know, when you're in practice that you felt like, you know, the kind of message you sent out there, how did you, you know, what were the channels you used to try to attract that patient into your practice? Well, I think initially when you first open up, there's a couple of ways of going about it. One is you can niche your practice, which we're going to talk about in an upcoming episode. We're not going to dive into that right now. I think when you first open your practice, sometimes it's hard to work out who is your ideal patient, which is why when we open our doors, we're prepared to see see anybody. But I think as patients come through, you can very quickly go, okay, do you like Mary who doesn't have any money, who's grumpy all the time, who smells? <laughs> now, if you go, oh, yeah, that's my ideal patient. I want a smelly person that can't afford to pay me and who's mean and nasty all the time no so as patients are coming to you and you start working out oh this is more of the type of patient i like you then start asking them questions what do you do where do you hang out are you part of a social club do you play a certain sport you can find out what sort of car do they drive what do they read do they listen to the radio who what's your favorite coffee shop where do you like to eat and when you start finding out this information about the patients you really like, then you go, well, if this seems to be a common thread that, say, for example, a coffee shop, that, wow, three out of five of my ideal patients go to a particular coffee shop in Cairns. Well, if they go there, that means there must be a lot more of my ideal patient that hang out, hangs out at that coffee shop. So then you could do like a, a coffee shop marketing deal where you go to that coffee shop and say, hey, I'll sponsor the next 10 cups of coffee. For the next 10 guys that come in who look about their 42 years of age, look like they used to do some exercise, but they're a little bit overweight, I want to buy their cup of coffee for them. So that's that's one simple way of doing it. And But we used to do a lot of internal surveys to our ideal patients. We would ask them these questions. And that information we got back from them made it really easy for us to go and then find other ones, especially like... Yeah, if our, our ideal patient was, say, a member of Rotary or another charity group, well, if a lot of our ideal patients are there, there's more than likely there's going to be more there. So then we try and get involved in those sort of things as well. So it's asking good questions and you get good answers. No, for sure. Like you said, uh, like kind of attracts like. And if you're uh, getting a certain number of patients from a certain group or uh, from a certain referral source, you know, kind of going back and... Um, you know, being uh, gaining awareness and uh, kind of being getting out in front of those more of those ideal patients, like it's definitely a huge opportunity. Like you said, um, usually they'll hang out in kind of groups. It's not, oh, uh, yeah. it's not a lot of not a lot of lone rangers out there. Um, but yeah, as far as like you know, I guess as far as the benefits, you know, when you get it right, can you can you like dive deep a little bit into the benefits? Uh, you know, when you do kind of nail down that customer persona and like how how long do you think it takes for someone? To kind of figure that out while they're in practice i think you can you can make the decision from day dot so when i set up our clinic in cairns i mean from cairns and we set one up in Mackay, 800 kilometers away about 550 miles and we set it that far away because i didn't want to have Mackay have any influence or cairns have any influence over Mackay. so right from the day dot we sort of we did niche the practice down a little bit 
but we still had our ideal patient of mind based on what we'd learnt in Cairns. The advantage of knowing who your ideal patient is, it makes it easier when it comes to spending your money. If a sales rep comes and approaches you, and I'm always, I've told the story a few times, had a sales rep approach me, said, we have this campaign for, I think it was on TV or radio, I think it was radio. We have this campaign. It is going to be ideal for your patients, Tyson. I said, that's great. Can you tell me who my ideal patient is? And they went, oh, well, it'll be you know, like old people that can't reach their toenails and, uh, and get hard skin on their feet. And I went, well, actually, no. My ideal patient is. And bang, 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 bang. And I explained to my ideal patient is. And she said to me, oh, no, this would be perfect for them. How could this campaign that she'd put together be perfect for my ideal patient when in her head I was just trimming toenails on old people? And that's where once you know who your ideal patient is, when an opportunity is put in front of you, you can very quickly make a decision whether that's a good idea or a bad idea because you know who who you want to actually talk to. So I think one of the benefits of knowing your ideal patient is I think you spend less money trying to talk to them because you're not trying to talk to everybody like a shotgun approach. You're like a sniper and you're, you're targeting your marketing in particular areas where you where you you know your ideal patient is going to be, but then you can budget a little bit and take a bit of a punt and say, oh, I wonder if there's a few over here. So you, you can try different things with, with the same budget. No, that makes total sense. I mean, I think it helps, like you mentioned, it, it kind of provides that external internal clarity with not only your messaging, but also your, your marketing spend, right? Because, uh, I mean, it is, you have a lot of kind of uh, people, you know, vendors cold calling or vendors trying to get in touch with you. But let's say I, I love diabetic, you know, if I like to take care of diabetic foot wounds mm. um, and I'm getting someone pitching me, you know, like some type of sports medicine type uh, product or service or a way to, you know, partner with them. And that's not who I see. It's, it's a very quick way to say, you know, like, no, I'm really focused. My practice is on, you know, taking care of diabetics, uh, diabetic limb preservation is just kind of what I do. So it, it makes not only that, um, it's very clear, you know, you have, to, you have to initially, you kind of waste less time trying to be a jack of all trades. Uh, and it kind of, you know, you're trying to like kind of uh, just be everything to everybody. And it just kind of, it can be a time sink and a, you know, a waste of your kind of precious time and resources. I think yeah. there's another aspect of it too, is that you can really like tailor make your kind of own internal messaging, whether that's your website, your own marketing, you put that message out to those ideal patients. So when they look at your website or look at your, you know, your newspaper article or, you know, a newspaper ad, if it's, you know, someone that still looks at the newspaper, uh, <laughs> but uh, you, you can be more clear though, as opposed to just trying to be, I'm a foot doctor. Oh, I think that you hit the nail on the head there because, and I have mentioned this before when somebody say, Oh, I want more runners. And I go, okay. So if I went to your website and if, if treating running patients was illegal, <laughs> would you, would I be able to convict you? And you'd be surprised the amount of that we get let off scot-free. You go to their website mm-hmm. and you go, but you told me you love runners. I found one blog article buried down somewhere, but I go to your homepage and there's feet on a, on a beach walking or there's, there's feet there and there's a flower next to it. Okay, How does that represent runners? I think your marketing has also got to represent the type of patient that you want to treat, who, you, who your ideal patient is. They've got to like come to your website and see themselves so that they go, and that's why, like, say, a runner, you might be a female and you have a male runner on the home page or it might be vice versa. You might want more female patients. 
But a male patient will see that run and go, okay, this is a running place. This is where I need to be. And, and one of my favorite motivational speakers used to be Zig Ziglar. And he used to say, you might find an apple in an industrial bin, but that's not where you should be looking for apples. You go to a fruit shop. So you might be looking for runners. So people start advertising at a local retirement village and and bowls club and certain places. And you go, okay, you might find a runner there, but you know what? You'd probably be better suited to connect with a running club because that's where you're going to find more runners. I think that's what you, I think that, that message that you said is just spot on. Yeah, it just, it's just one of those things, right? If you, once you know what your, your message is and who you want to treat, uh, it's much easier, like you said, to go find those, those, those apple, apple barrels, <laughs> you know, like in the orchard as opposed to the, uh, the industrial park. Well, in, in an industrial bin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what he was referring to when he actually said that comment was he had a, there was a friend who was reading a Playboy magazine. And he said to the guy, why do you read that trash? He goes, oh, yeah, sometimes there's some really good articles in it. And that's what he said. Well, yeah, you can find a, a good apple in a, in a garbage bin, but that's not where you should be looking for good apples. <laughs> there's better places. So if you want to read good articles, find a magazine that actually has good articles in it without, <laughs> without all the nudity. Um, so I thought it was a really good point. So, But even with yourself, Jim, when you're, you would have certain podiatrists that you work with, like you help it with online marketing, it'd be the same thing. You would have an ideal client even when it comes to the whole online marketing world. The same as what I do when I do coaching. I have an ideal client that I like to work with. I think that's part of what I try to do and try to help educate people about is that um, you know you definitely want to kind of uh, understand who your ideal patient is and it's going to make a lot of your other you know marketing uh, objectives and just kind of like your own clinic, the type of patients that walk into your clinic much more fulfilling because I think, like you said, a lot of people kind of get stuck in the like jack of all trades and there's nothing wrong with having a general practice, right? Like if you're in a really small yeah. area where there's not a chance to to niche, but even then, if there's a small area within podiatry that you really enjoy or a type of patient you like to treat, that can be a, maybe it's not going to be a hundred percent of your practice, but maybe it's a 20 or 25% of your practice that really brings you a lot of professional fulfillment. So it's it's kind of everything's on a scale, right? Like if you're in downtown New York City, you might be able to be the like see a very very tight, <laughs> you know, like demographic of person that you want to treat, and you're the best for. And maybe it has to open up a little bit somewhere smaller, but you're still able to do the things that you want to do. So I think when you, when I'm working with people, it's about it's a matter of just kind of like letting them step back because I think it is you're in the day to day. People are yeah. you know opening their practices. They get there's so many tasks things to be expected of them. They're kind of heads down working and to kind of pull back and really observe their own practice, their own patient population from a different perspective is sometimes hard. And sometimes a little bit easier for me to like say, you know, I can tell by your website or I can, t you know, by some of the stuff you're telling me you want to see, there's some ways to craft um, your message and the marketing that kind of is in alignment with your, your ideal kind of patient persona and your ideal patient. So oh, it's like when you say, when you hear people say, oh, you can't see your own bald spot, you used to think, oh, thank God. <laughs> but it's the same thing when, when you're getting help outside and you're talking about this particular subject, because I've had a lot of coaching clients where you'll talk about the ideal patient and they think they know what it is until you start going through a list of questions. And once they go through it, they go, oh, wow, my ideal, there was so much more to my ideal patient they didn't realize. Even to where does your ideal patient live? Because you'll find 
your ideal patient, and like I said, you mentioned, you could have a general clinic that treats all services in podiatry and you'll have an ideal patient that will fit in all these different services. And you'll find there's certain areas that your ideal patients live and there'll be certain areas where you will never find your ideal patient based on you know, so, socioeconomic uh, positioning of where those people are. There'll be certain patients you just know will not come from certain areas. So if you're spending money that is talking to people in those areas, you could actually be wasting your money. And that's the important thing. Yeah, well, that's really important, like you talked about previously, like really getting to know your patients and kind of not only like, you know, oh, I want to treat people, you know, this specific type of person, but kind of what is their life like? Because let's say you're in a suburban area um, and like everybody kind of works in Milwaukee, right? So like, you know, let's say you're in suburban Milwaukee, everybody works in downtown Milwaukee and all your advertising is like, you know, during the day is focused in a specific area, kind of a geographic location where none of your None of your local patients are maybe near your office during those times. Yeah. Maybe they are 15 miles away somewhere during the day where they're, you know, surfing on the Internet at work or something where where so that might make sense. You know, on the surface, might like, why would I want to, like, you know, spend some marketing or do anything over there? Well, maybe they live in your community and they're just not there, you know, as much. So it's one of those things, where, like you said, just like understanding the kind of like the lifestyle and the flow of what's going on in a patient's daily life will sometimes unlock unlock some different insights into kind of like how your ideal patient lives, you know, what they're, you know, outside of even your practice, kind of what are their, um, the things that, you know, are causing them problems, you know, like, is it, is that something where if you had early, if you had opened up an hour or two earlier, if that's something you want to do, yeah. you get some of those commuter, you know, commuter patients, maybe, you know, you're not getting many end of the day patients because of like, you know, a commuting time issue. So it's really looking at your practice from a different perspective that can, you know, under when you understand your patients, you can provide better care and maybe more of the type of care you want to provide. Oh, I remember someone telling me once that they wanted to build their practice around kids, but then they didn't open three afternoons a week. <laughs> I'm going, seriously, you want to see more patients that are kids, but three up, but you don't work afternoons much. I'm thinking, but that's when they're off from school. Right. And they were wondering, oh, yeah, yeah, or maybe I should have the mornings off then. Or maybe I should take time off during the day. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe. And I know other people that really want corporate workers. They want the, the accountants and the lawyers. And they're, they're working more in towards the city. I'm going, well, open up early in the morning. Start at 6.30 in the morning. Charge a premium for those patients who want to come in, be seen, and just get on with their day. And not have to be interrupted. They're earning four or five hundred dollars an hour as a lawyer. They don't mind seeing you at six thirty in the morning and not having to give up that five hundred dollars during the day. So they're the things that I think podiatrists have just got to just step back a little bit and and ask themselves questions about who they want to see, where are they, and like you said, do we need to adjust our hours to get more of those sort of patients in? Yeah, there's a million little things like that, right? Like just by listening to people, asking good questions, you're going to learn. Now, obviously, like, you know, everyone's running a busy practice, but taking that extra two minutes or asking the extra two questions on that next patient visit, it may unlock and open up your eyes to some brand new opportunity you never really thought about before. Yeah. And I think don't be afraid to investigate who your ideal patient is, because it doesn't matter how well you think you know them and how much marketing you do towards them, you will never have a clinic full of your ideal patients. So don't be afraid you're going to lose the other ones. They are going to come and see you regardless. But if you're targeting your ideal patients 
and that's the message you're putting out there, you will see more of what you like, which will make you happy, and I'm all for becoming a happy podiatrist. Makes for a happy work. Makes for a happy boss, too. <laughs> no, for sure. So next week, we're going to talk more about niching your practice and what that actually means. If people want to know more about that, they must tune in for episode number four. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I think uh, there's different ways to kind of approach these initial, you know, getting started with marketing, whether it's starting with your ideal patient or, you know, starting for more of kind of a personal knowing what kind of care you like to do um, perspective. There's just kind of different ways to uh, get rolling and uh, kind of build your ideal practice. I definitely agree. So this is fun. I'm enjoying this because we're getting, what, what I like about this is we have an idea what we're going to talk about, but there's a lot of oh, just thoughts that just pop in your head based on what, what each other are asking. So this is great. I, I hope everyone that's listening to this is getting as much out of it as what we are. For sure. <laughs> okay. So I've got nothing else to say on this topic. What about you? <laughs> I think we're good with the ideal patient and uh, looking forward to our chat next week. Okay. I'll talk to you later, Jim. See you, Tyson. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.